Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity, one, to speak of your will, to speak of your word, to speak of your gospel, Lord. Lord, I just pray that even though it's a different setting, your word can still go through any different scenario, any different setting. And so, Lord, I pray that it does the same exact thing that it would do on a normal Sunday service. Lord, give me wisdom and words to speak that only you have led me for, Lord. For it is not for me, but it is for you. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. In your name we pray. Amen. As I was talking about before, we're in our 21 days of fasting, and it really got me thinking of how we pray. How do we, as Christians, pray? It's an interesting philosophy. It's an interesting thing to see how people pray. You know, we believe as Assemblies of God Church that there's the evidence of speaking in tongues and baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that for some people who may be Catholic or not Assemblies of God, might be a little bit weird, but it's a, a way of praying. But if you just think that prayer is just saying the Lord's Prayer and you're good to go and you're going to go to heaven, I have something to tell you. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer is great. It teaches us how to pray. It teaches us how to ask. But it's not the, the tell-all of prayer. In fact, there's tons of different types of prayers. The Bible mentions prayer over 650 times by different authors at different times, at different walks of life, in different parts of the world. Whenever prayer or whenever something is mentioned in the Bible a lot, I tell our students this all the time, whenever something is mentioned in the Bible a lot, you should probably pay attention to what is happening. A couple of weeks ago in youth, we were talking about be strong and courageous and how it was mentioned four times in Joshua very, very quick. Three or four. I think it's three or four. But it's mentioned a couple times. Whenever you see something that is mentioned over and over and over from the beginning to prophets to the New Testament to Jesus' death to after his death, there's prayer. The title of my message today, which is kind of more of a Bible study kind of a message, we've kind of altered it a little bit, is characterizing prayer. What characteristics of prayer is good? What characteristics of prayer are bad? Now, there's a ton of different things that I could go into with that, but I'm going to kind of like stick into three main points here. But first off, prayer, well, let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is a relationship with God. That is what prayer is. The bare minimum, the bare bottom line of prayer is prayer is a relationship with God. And a relationship is a two-way street. So let me tell you this. God is constantly trying to go after you. He is constantly trying to reach out to you. But let's say this. If you are texting somebody or if you are calling somebody over and 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 over again and that person's not responding, how are you going to feel? It's the same thing with prayer with us. God is constantly reaching out to us. He may not be giving us a physical phone call, but he is constantly there. 
He's constantly trying to reach out to us to have that relationship with us because that is all that he wants to have. If you have a friend that only calls you when they need something, is that really a friend? But why as Christians do we think we only need God when it's in hard times? We only pray when the bad things happen. That's not what prayer is. It's a two-way street. It's the opportunity to grow closer in a relationship with our creator. It's something that defines us as Christians. It defines us as, as Protestants, as people who believe that we have a personal relationship with God. There are many people that walk on this earth that believe in God, but don't believe they can have that personal relationship. But it's there. And all you have to do is talk. You just have to talk normally. My favorite thing in the world, especially like growing up, is when people thought that prayer was this like um, over-the-top thing that had to be done in a certain way. And actually in the Bible, it says, be weary of that. Be weary of the over-the-topness of prayer. There's different types of prayers for different times, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But prayer at, at its core is getting to know God sharing your life with him. And yes, he knows everything, but let's be real. Say your kids break something and you know they broke something. You know absolutely that that vase sitting on the counter was there before and now for some reason there's glue pieces on it and it's a little bit moved like a foot to the left. You would want your kids to fess up. You wouldn't want them to lie about it. You wouldn't want them to go around it you would want them to fess up and tell them the truth. So even though that you know that they have done something wrong, even though that you know about their lives, you'd much rather have them do it themselves. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is just talking about God or talking with God about your life. It's a relationship. It's, it's that entire thing. And as we're in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's that's what our core is, is praying so that we can grow closer to God. My first point today is your prayer alone. If you want to open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 22, verse 39, I'll let you get there for a second. To give you some context of what's happening, Jesus knows this is the end. Jesus knows what is about to happen. It's a hard thing that to process as a human to know that I'm going to be betrayed. I hope that none of you in your life ever have that feeling. But as we read here, it says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw away, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then the angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Verse 44. He prayed more fervent, fervently, words are hard, and was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. So there's a couple things that I want to talk about here. And 
that last sentence, when you think about it, it's crazy that he was underneath so much stress, so much anguish, so much hurt that he was sweating blood. The, the human mind can't comprehend that. But honestly, like we can't comprehend a lot of the things that God does because, well, he's God and we're not. But the human mind can't comprehend that. He was sweating blood because he was so in anguish about what was about to happen. But there's a couple things that I want to point out here. In verse 39, it says, Jesus left the upper room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. This wasn't a one-time thing for Jesus. Maybe sometimes he brought his disciples with me, with him. Maybe he didn't. But this wasn't a one-time thing. It says, as usual, he went to the Mount of Olives. What does that mean? Jesus prayed. He went alone to pray in this scripture. And this wasn't a scripture where it was like, dear God, just thank you for everything. You're so great. Uh, I really want that Mercedes G-Wagon as well. That would be great. It, it wasn't Jesus being a, or God being a genie or being Santa. It was real prayer. And when we're in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a family relationship, there has to be the actual communication. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. You don't get to sugarcoat everything all the time. There is hard conversations that need to be had. And so this point about being alone is one, starting the discipline of being alone and getting in the word and growing after God, going after God, sorry. That's the first thing. There's a discipline here. He went as usual. It wasn't a one-time thing that he was praying to God. It was a constant thing where Jesus would be praying to his father. If we're all supposed to live like Jesus, why are we only praying during the hard times? It is a constant thing. As he says here, he's about he knows he's about to get betrayed. He knows he's about to go through pain and sorrow that he is nobody has ever felt before. He knows this not only because he is Jesus, but also because he was in his father's will because constantly you can see throughout the New Testament that he was praying. He would go off by himself and pray. He would go off by himself and pray. He would get away from the crowds and pray. You can definitely could tell somebody, you could tell their entire personality, who they are, if you were listening into their prayer closet. Their prayer closet, which I don't necessarily, this is my millennial hot take here, like the term prayer closet, because I think there can be any place that you can go alone to be with God should be that place that you consider that place of going towards him. For me, it was driving to work when I used to work retail. I would spend an hour and 15 minutes in the car and I would just have these pouring out conversations with God every single day. And then on my days off, I would go for a drive just so I could have that same conversation, that same time every day. 
you see it's all about building the discipline of prayer. We had an amazing baptism last week where Kenan said that he just wants to get 1% better every single day. What happens if we all did that? If we all did prayer where we were just getting 1% better every single day in prayer, where at first it started out like, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless the hands that made it. Bless it to our bodies. And in the end, you're praying for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours a day. Listen, the Bible is so specific about prayer. It says pray without ceasing. It says pray for your enemies. It says pray for those who abuse you. Pray for those that you love. It, is, it says what we are supposed to do in prayer. It gives you the guidelines. How many of you know that at, like when you're taking a test, if you're given the study sheet, it's a lot easier than if you don't have the study sheet. Well, we have the study sheet. It's listed in scripture like crazy. So we have to build the discipline. We have to find that place where we can be truly alone. No distractions, no candy crush, no watching the TV, no listening to the radio or listening to Spotify, Apple Music, if that's your choice too, and blasting out the songs as loud as possible. Worship music is good, but that's not a, like there's a time of prayer. There's a time when we come together to pray and we come alone to pray. You see, because here we see it as well. That's where you get the hard stuff out. When you are alone in prayer, that is when the hard things you need to say, that is the hard things that we struggle with as humanity get off of our chest. That's the time that we build the foundation of our walk with God. Without our own prayer, without our prayer alone, honestly, we are faking it. And that might be a little bit kind of harsh and a little bit hard to handle, but it's true. If, if we don't have that, that prayer walk alone, we are not the house that is built upon the firm foundation. We will be blown away. We'll be like the seeds that went down a little bit but didn't have place to spread and grab their roots. Prayer is, that's where we're rooted. There's so many different analogies that the Bible uses about prayer and how, how it is the catalyst, it is the foundation, it is the root of what we believe in and everything like that. So my first point is to be alone in prayer every day. Make it a discipline. If you are participating in this fast, go one step further than you normally do. If you are just normally praying for everybody else and praying for some things for you, go a little bit deeper. Ask specifics for other people. Figure out what you can be praying about that you're not doing right now. It is the foundation for everything that you have. And as we are going this year with a fast first, that is our foundation for the entire year. Right there. That's our foundation. So we have to learn how to pray alone. My second point here is that we need to learn how to pray together. Now you might think like, oh, that's a little bit weird. You're telling me to pray alone, but you're telling me to pray together. Once again, prayer is mentioned over 650 times in the Bible. There's a lot of time for prayer. But 
we're talking about different characteristics right now. And we need to learn how to pray together. If you can open up your Bibles with me, we are going to go to Matthew 18, verse 18 and 19. Pastor kind of already talked about it earlier, but I want you to go there and, and get into the word on this. I'll give you a second. Here we go. Verse 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where there are two or three gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Together. Together is not some, oh, I am praying for you. You are going through something. I am praying for you. In uh, the Midwest, there was always this phrase. I think I've said it here before. It's called bless your heart, where you're just like, oh, bless your heart. I can't believe that. That's my Southern Midwest accent there. But that, that was something that would constantly happen when I was in the Midwest was bless your heart. Oh, that's so sad. But there was never that, oh, let me pray with you about that. Let me go after you with that. You see, here in the scripture, a lot of times we see verse 20 where it says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am here among them. But let's go through verse 18 and 19 real quick too. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. I like how the message says, I'm not, I don't use the message all the time, but I like to look at different translations. And the message says, what will be a yes here on earth will be a yes in heaven. What will be a no here on earth will be a no in heaven. We do life together. It's one of our core values here that we are better together, which is true. There's all those sports phrases that you hear that there's no I in team. There's no, we have to play, we have to have team players here. But that's true in every walk of life. Let me say this, at work, if you are having somebody who you are on a project with and they are not putting up the same emphasis and input that you are, and they're just kind of slacking off, how's the project going to be? If you have a school project, that's the same thing. What about your friends? They're technically your output of you. So what I'm trying to get here with together is the agreeingness in verse 19. This kind of gets overlooked a lot. Oh, two or three are gathered here, like the Lord is here. That is great. But we're, we're skipping out on the promise that Jesus has made earlier, if you agree. 
You see, the whole point of this entire verse is for us not to live in secrecy, not to have this high and mighty, my skeletons are in the closet, uh, I have to keep them there, people will look at me different, people will look at me weird, I'm going to carry this burden by myself because I don't want to burden anybody else. That's not what life is all about. We are supposed to be together. If we're talking about a relationship like I was talking about before, in any form, it is that togetherness. If you keep something from that other person in the relationship, it's going to come out eventually. It always does. So what I am saying here is together, we need to come together and agree on something. So whether that's a miracle of healing, we need to agree that there's going to be a healing of a specific thing at a specific, or not at a specific time, but a specific thing in your body. There's two or more that come together. We are going to agree to it. If you are the person that needs healing and you go, yeah, but God's probably never going to do that. Is that agreeing? No, no, it's not. What happens if you're the second person where somebody comes up to you and they, they tell you a confidential thing that's kind of hard and you just go, well, I'm glad that's not in my life. Are you really agreeing with that person to go before the Lord? Or are you just trying to save face? You see, the part about being together is, yes, we need to learn how to be alone to pray. But God wants to show his miraculous glory through multiple people. And what is greater than one, two, three, four? I'm not going to keep counting because I don't have time for that. But so there's, there's power in numbers in prayer. But you have to agree on the thing that needs to be prayed for. And you have to believe it and have faith. If you don't have faith that God's not going to do it, then that's not really agreeing. You're just praying to save face. You're not praying to actually grow together. Prayer happens. The, the foundation of prayer happens in your own alone time with the Lord. Prayer together is when everything in the house starts to get built. When you have the windows that are floor to ceiling, when you have the vaulted ceilings, when you have that super, super nice like dining room table that you've always wanted, that's when things start coming together. No pun intended. But, but that's the point where prayer really elevates. It really goes to the next level. There is this time of prayer by ourselves, which is amazing and everybody should, but prayer together, it doesn't elevate just yourself. It elevates the person next to you. Because as it says, if you agree and ask my father, he will give it to you. Another one of our core values that we have is that we will not sell the Lord short. We will not believe that he can only do a certain amount of things. He is the creator of the universe. He doesn't have like a, 
gumball machine where you put a quarter in of prayer and your miracle comes out and then it's all run out. No, he, he is God. He can do all things. That addiction that you are suffering with is better with prayer together because that means you are putting your trust into somebody else. That is a relationship being formed. You are walking together towards Christ. That healing that you need is better when we are doing it together, walking towards Christ. Because then we can give the glory times two to him. See, it is a great part about being alone and developing that prayer life. But if you are never stepping out of your prayer closet to be with other believers praying together, then you are missing out on so much that God has for you. We need to be praying together. And I challenge you. Hopefully the snow has melted and there's no more snow at this time. But I challenge you next week, that person that is your friend that you've been talking to a lot, go up to them. Ask them if they will be your prayer partner with you. That besides somebody outside of your household, go up to them and ask them if they will be their prayer partner with you. If, they can, if you can pray back and forth, if you can send texts back and forth to each other, because that partnership, that relationship works. Togetherness. The last one that I have here is prayer of rejoicing. So we have the alone time with God. We have the time together when we're growing closer to God. And then at the end, we have the time to rejoice. The psalmist David one time said, where are you? It's been forever since you have seen me. Hello, I'm still here, but I'll still rejoice. I'm still in your will. I'll still sing songs of your praise. And that to me just really spoke to me that we, we can see the times when we're getting over that hump, when we're getting over that place where when maybe it's sickness, maybe it's just a, a bout of depression, maybe it's something, we're getting over that. It is the time of prayer and rejoicing. You can go to James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And this is a pretty common verse, but I'm going to kind of hit on one thing here, and but I, I want to get the full context of the verse. So I'll give you a second to get to there. But rejoicing can be in so many different things. It can be celebrating that thing that that person ha- that you are building that partnership with has gone through. It can be a doctor's result that you went to and you came back turned out to be something good instead of something negative. There's power in rejoicing. If, if we look at back in Joshua in the Old Testament, when they shouted shouts of praise, the wall fell down. But there was silence beforehand. There's a time and place of rejoicing. You don't want to be, there's that favorite um, meme, gif, whatever you want to call it. Yes, gif, not jif. But there's that fav, that like, where I think it's a basketball player, he shoots the ball, it's about to go in, he's celebrating, he thinks it's going in, hits the rim, hits the rim, falls out. There's a time of rejoicing. You don't want to be rejoicing 
that you have won, that victory is over when you're still in it. Because you need to be focused about being in it. About that prayer that needs to happen right then. Let's go to the word. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will also be forgiven. I'm, I, I love how it is sandwiched here. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. We talked about it alone. You should bring it towards God. Then you should bring it together with somebody so that way you can go for it together because two heads are better than one. I've already said a lot about that. But you can go together with that. And then at the end, are any of you happy? You should be rejoicing. There is power in the rejoicing of prayer. We see in the psalmist too when he sings songs of praise and it's like a party and everything is happening because they're just so happy of what God has done in their lives. We're not ripping off any clothes here at CIC, so don't worry about that. But they did that in the Old Testament. When there was so much rejoicing and so much prayer, they would just go crazy. What about Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, there was so much rejoicing upon the people that people thought they were drunk. And then it was like, wait a second, it's 9 a.m. There's no way that they can be drunk. But they were rejoicing for what the Lord had done to them. See, there is a time to pray alone. There is a time to pray together. And there is a time to pray while rejoicing. Because you see, at the end of it, we give God the glory for everything. And then it's a full circle. It goes back to that prayer alone. It goes back to that time where we have to pray with other people. And then we can give God all the rejoicing that he deserves. If praying alone is the firm foundation, praying together is the rest of the house, rejoicing is the house that you want. Painted the right color, with the right landscaping, with the right little vase that's on the shelf that you love. That is rejoicing. It is the little things in life that makes you happy. That is the rejoicing. And there comes a time as we continue in our walk with prayer that there is a prayer of rejoicing, a time of glorifying God, a time where we can just sit here and say, Lord, we thank you for what you have done, for what you will do. Lord, you are amazing. Lord, you have brought me through so much. Lord, you have done this. Lord, you have done that. It's contagious. So not only... Are you now praying alone where you can build up your own personal relationship with the Lord? You are praying together where you are growing side by side, going after the Lord so that another believer can be built up with you. You are rejoicing so that the people around you can see what's happening in your life. Three simple points. 
three simple points that I want you to focus on this week. As we're in this atmosphere of prayer going forward into the new year, three simple points. Have that prayer life alone. Find somebody, not in your family, to pray together with. And then at the end, find the time for the rejoicing. Find the time for the party. Find the time when you can give the glory to the Lord because that is what he deserves. If you are happy, shout praises. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. How can I pray if I'm not a follower? Well, that's simple. It all starts with a prayer. You see, Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could have that relationship with him. Before that, I was telling the students that priests would be sent into the center room where God presided, and, and they had to offer up sacrifices. And if they weren't clean, if they didn't have the perfect amount of sacrifices to give, if they didn't commit their sins to God, they would die. So they were wrapped in bells and they were pulled out if they couldn't. We don't have to deal with that anymore. We have a direct line of access that goes right to Jesus. And like I said before, it's a two-way street. He's already reaching out. You just have to follow up as well. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want that relationship with him, if you want to be able to develop that prayer life with him, if you want him to have you back on an everyday battle instead of just when everything goes wrong, you need to accept him into your life. It's super simple. Honestly, just pray after me. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongdoings. Lord, I want to grow closer to you. I want to experience the love that you have. I want to be with you. And Lord, take me as I am and make me whole. Thank you. That's how it starts. It's just that simple. You are now a follower of Jesus Christ and can start your prayer walk just because you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Take me into your home. For anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is what you just did. And for everybody else, prayer. Prayer is what we are supposed to be here for. We are praying to grow closer to the Lord. Our end goal is to be like Jesus. And Jesus prayed all the time. Thank you so much for being with me today. I know it's snowy. I know it's crazy. I know a lot of things are going on in your life, but you have taken the time to sit down. Hopefully you have a blanket and some hot cocoa, unless you're on the Daniel Fest. And you are enjoying this message and this time together. Spend time with your families, enjoy it, uh, and Happy New Year, because I didn't get to say that last week. Thank you guys so much. This Pastor Brian's going to come in and close us out.
Thank you for sharing that word, Pastor Eddie, and the simplicity of prayer, the necessity of prayer, and how we can start off in that moment, one 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 with God, just pressing in. We can grow together, and we got to rejoice. I appreciate that. And I'm just struck by what you were saying because, you know, as we started this fast, uh, 21 days of praying and fasting, we're doing this in order to start our year right. No doubt about that. We do it because it's a general, you know, thing that, oh, churches tend to do this at the beginning of the year. Yes, there's all that. While I was talking to a few folks, they asked, what are the prayer points? What are the things that I should be praying about, Pastor? What are the things that the church is concerned for and, and we need to pray over? And I purposely said, you know what? Pick your own. And didn't really set an agenda. Why? Because my desire for this time as, as of right now, I want you to start this year pressing in and growing with him. Just get closer to God. And he's going to highlight to you the things that you should be praying about for yourself, for your family. He'll highlight the things that's near and dear to our church. And so if you're connected and engaged and looking around, you'll find plenty of things to pray about. So I just invite you, join the process. Get in the arena. Press in. We can do more than we know we can do when Christ strengthens us. And so I invite you to press in and grow. Use this time to set the agenda, the tempo, the rhythm for the rest of the year as you're pressing into him to pray, to know, to grow. So I'm just reminded of that. And like he said, start now. Start wherever you are. I was thinking of the story in John chapter 2 when Jesus is at the wedding in Cana and they run out of the wine and, and there's all these things that they need to do. There's embarrassment that would happen to the family if they you know, go without and all these different things. And Mary says to her son, Jesus Christ, hey, they're out. Do something. Like, can you do something? Like, right now. And there's a lot of things that we can learn and and. and, and dissect from a theological perspective. But he said to her this, he says, dear woman, it's not yet my time. And even though he said that, because he's thinking about the hour of his glorification, he's thinking of what he's going to do, that he was praying in Luke 22, um, that he is concerned about the cross and all that that's going to do and all that he's going to endeavor there. He is thinking about that hour of pain and sorrow, but yet great accomplishment. That is his moment and hour of glory. He's thinking about that, where he's going. And here is Mary saying, hey, do something about this party. He says it's not his hour, but yet he still does something. He performs one of his first signs, the sign that is recorded in the book of John. And so I want you to just grasp onto that reality. You might not think it's the right time. You might not think it's the right season. You just got to get some other things figured out and taken care of and buttoned up. And you got to grow in certain elements before you can get engaged and connected and go deep with God. No, no, no. Start now. Whether you think it's the right time or not press in. 
Just get started, like Pastor Eddie said. Just say, I'm going to take that next step of faith, and I'm going to follow after the Lord. And God will bless you. Let me just pray with you as well for your year and that we're going to close this thing out excited for all that God's going to do for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are faithful and true. That which you have begun in us, you are faithful to bring to completion. I pray that you would meet people today and that you would speak encouragement into their lives, that you would, Lord God, lead them closer into your presence, that I pray, Lord, it would become a joy and that there would be rejoicing as we press in and spend time with you. Father, that which was hard before, I pray this becomes the year where it becomes a joy and a breeze and a fulfillment in us to Lord God want to do. I pray, Lord, that you would do that in our prayer lives, that you would do that, Father, in our fasting, that you would do that, Lord, in our reading of your word, that you would do that in every aspect of our following after you, Jesus, that we would truly come to rejoice because in the hard times and the good times, you have been faithful and good. Friends, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and show you his favor. May the Lord be with you and keep you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May God bless you. We'll catch you next time.